Hello, friends. Welcome to Wednesday Wake Up, a podcast hosted by Gregory Maloof, Buddhist Dharma teacher in the lineage of Ruth Dennison, mental health therapist, and mindfulness coach. Wednesday Wake Up explores the ancient teachings of Buddhism through the lens of Western psychology, neuroscience, and the modern human potential movement. Our commitment is for these teachings to educate, challenge, and inspire you to awaken to your deepest potential to live a truly fulfilling life of wisdom, joy, and compassion. Thank you for joining us. May these teachings serve you well. I wanted to offer just a couple tidbits, if you will, about the aggregates, particularly about the body practices we'll be doing shortly. The last few weeks we've been taking a pretty deep dive into the aggregates and we've gotten to form the body aggregate, the materiality aggregate. And I just wanted to remind us of a few things. I think it it would help to make the body practices more tangible or more meaningful, like to have a bridge to the actual Dharma so the practices aren't just kind of hanging out (laughs) in space or something or hanging off a Christmas tree somewhere. I don't know. They just feel uh, disembodied, no pun intended, but they sort of seem to be on the fringe sometimes. So I want to pull these practices in and make them more practical and meaningful uh, for you. So this is my effort at doing that. The Buddha's insight into liberation was centered around two things from my perspective. Two things. One is that true contentment or freedom from suffering does exist. That's the first premise. And that two, it is through our intentional, mindful engagement of living the present moment that leads to that experience. Now, of course, we don't create enlightenment. It's not fabricated. But what we do fabricate or create through our practice is the path. And the path is internalized. The Eightfold Path is not something that we find and walk upon. It is created in each of us through our own lived experience. We each walk the path through our own consciousness. It is not outside of ourselves. So we each have our own perceptions of the path as we're having the experience, but we're creating that experience through the meditation. And once the path gets to, say, the door of liberation, we let go of the path, all the fabricated stuff we've been doing, and that is what allows us to have that experience of stream entry, say, or the first stage of enlightenment. I can't remember which teacher said this, but they said, we don't... We don't create the top of the mountain. The top of the mountain is there, but we have to create the path. We have to traverse the terrain. And so we don't create enlightenment, but we fabricate the path to get there. And when you take this into context of meditation, the Buddha basically taught a series of skills that allow us to fabricate happiness and contentment and to let go of suffering and discontent all at the same time. So when we talk about meditation, it's important to remember that meditation is a doing. It's a cultivation of something inside of ourselves, of course, but it it is a doing, right? It's a creation. So even when meditation is the most passive and the most equanimous and the most letting go-ness, 
the most inactive that you can be, right? When you're just trying to do nothing at all, that's still fabrication. We're still creating that letting go, that peace, that calm, that non-reactivity through consciousness, right? Through these aggregates, through intention, through mindfulness. So it's just important to remember that even the stillest points in meditation, the moments of total joy and acceptance, serenity, compassion, are all still a part of the path. They're fabrications, they're creations of the mind. And so they're not enlightenment itself, but they move us along towards this experience of liberation. And when you look at the Four Noble Truths, all Four Noble Truths have to be present in order for the path to work. And I'll tie this together in a second, but I would invite you to think of it this way. The first noble truth is that there's suffering. Without any other context, that is bad news. <laughs> that is not fun. And no one wants to walk a path that just has that as the beginning, the middle, and the end. So the first noble truth, there is suffering, has a context, which is the second noble truth, that there is a cause of suffering. It's not just that suffering is there, but that it's caused, it's conditioned. Now we have some good news that suffering is conditioned or happiness exists, happiness is conditioned if you wanna take a more positive spin to it. The second noble truth that there's a cause still isn't the best news because even if there's a cause, the bigger question is, can I learn what that cause is and can I be taught the skills to make sure that cause happens for myself? So that's where the third noble truth comes in. First noble truth says there's suffering. Second noble truth says that there's a cause of suffering. The third noble truth says there is an end to suffering, that you can bring an end to suffering. Or conversely, or inversely, you can bring awakening, joy, tranquility, compassion into existence. So that's even more good news, that there's a cause and there is a cure and the last context which brings it all together is that there's a path. So it's the last noble truth that makes all of the other noble truths worthwhile. Because it's the last noble truth that says our intentional mindful actions can bring freedom. That we have a say in how our internal world goes. We don't have a say about bigger things that can happen. Accidents and illness. We can't control material world. But we do have a say in that psychological suffering that happens inside by our fabrications, by our participation in present moment experience. So the Four Noble Truths are bookended, if you will, by this idea of um, fabrication, this idea that we co-create our momentary experience and that we can learn through skill building the different types of positive, intentional karmic actions that can lessen the suffering, increase the joy, increase compassion, and this is all at our disposal. Upaya means skillful means. It has a very interesting history that I'm not going to go into in this moment, but the way it's practically used, upaya means skillful means. In this moment, what can I fabricate to decrease my suffering and plant long-term seeds of happiness and well-being for myself and for others. And so this comes down to the three types of fabrication, and we'll be using these in the guided meditation, which is where this is going. And most of you are familiar with these. We've talked about them before. 
bodily fabrication or formation is the physical form, what we do with our body, how we breathe, how we sit, how we move. Changing the body, changing the breath, changes how we feel, how we experience ourselves moment to moment. So we have some say in that. And then there's verbal fabrication, how we talk to ourselves. We all know that sometimes the harshest and most critical things that we ever hear are from our own voice inside of our own head. So we know that talking to ourselves in a way that's negative can be very impacting, like it can lead to anxiety or fear or depression. So we know that there's some participation in how we think, right? Our thought trains can be changed. We can cultivate self-compassion and self-forgiveness and we can give ourselves a break now and again, right? By talking to ourselves kindly and, you know, increasing resilience and letting go of the old voices from the path that doubt who we are or say we're not lovable or we're not, you know, worthy. So we have a say, we have this verbal capacity to talk to ourselves and to talk to others in a way that cultivates freedom and happiness and healing. And the last fabrication is mental fabrication. This is all the other processes of consciousness. It's our feelings and our moods and the way the mind and heart puts together reality moment to moment, how it labels things good and bad, all that other stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So we have these formation processes, these fabrications that allow us to participate or if you will, choose to participate in the world in a way that's healing. And that's the idea behind all meditation practice. All meditation, whether it's sitting, standing, lying down, whether it's mantra or walking meditation or visualization or loving kindness, is all a form of co-creation of the moment. It's a form of fabrication. And it always includes body, verbal, and mental in some way. Those are the sort of mechanisms behind the consciousness that are putting it all together so we can have an experience of I am, I am this, or I'm experiencing that. The reason I mention all of this is we're going to do some guided practice, as I mentioned last week. We'll do 20 minutes of sitting, and then we're going to explore different ways of fabricating perception around uh, the anatomy, around the elements, and then at the last one, we'll move into the corpse practice. And so I wanted to remind us of the fabrication because it's important to remember the way we're fabricating in the meditation. So you can always change your breathing. No matter what you're doing, it's really helpful to ground yourself or anchor yourself in the breath, whether that's the feeling of breath expanding in the lungs or just the sensations on the body created by all the metabolism that happens with breathing. We always want to ground ourselves there in that breathing body, the breath energy of the physical form. But we might add a mental fabrication in which we imagine something. And this is something that we're going to be doing a lot of in a few minutes, which is we're going to imagine the body as parts. We're going to imagine our skeleton. We're going to imagine there's blood moving in the muscles. That's a fabrication. It's a perception that we're creating and we're doing it to co-create an experience that leads to wisdom. 
as we talked about last week. We're doing it for the reason of wisdom, ultimately. But this meditation will have some visualizations, which are pretty significant mental fabrications. So that's why I'm kind of tying this together. And I, I wanted to say something about visualization practice. When I invite you, or when you do this on your own, and you bring an image into consciousness, it's important to remember that the goal is not accuracy. You're not, you're not trying to see how clear the bones in your body can be, right? Or if you can really see your heart pumping blood, or you can really imagine like liquids or, you know, earth element, wind element. The idea is to use visualization to fabricate an experience. Just the sense of knowing that there's a skeleton and you're bringing that knowledge into awareness is plenty. Because many of us, myself included, I don't visualize very well. Like when I, when I do body part meditation, it's not very clear. The images aren't clear. But the sense, the intuitive sense of what I'm bringing into consciousness, that's really what counts. And I think a lot of people kind of bail on body these kind of body practices because they they say, oh, I can't visualize, so eh, it's not going to work. So that's one thing to remember that when you're fabricating something, the feeling of it is of the utmost importance. You're not going to get a gold star for having accurate anatomy. Half of the things that are on the list of body parts, I don't even know what they look like look like inside me anyway. So I don't know if I'm looking at, I'm not, I don't know if I'm imagining a spleen or, or whatever the case is. I don't know what my spleen looks, looks like. I've never seen a spleen. So just remember that it's the idea that you have a spleen or you have kidneys or you have blood. That's the most important thing. We're, we're bringing up our true nature into consciousness and visualization is just a fabrication that we can use to create the experience to gain the wisdom. Another way to do these kind of practices is just to label things. So for example, I might ask you to scan your left arm, knowing that in this arm you've got muscles, right? And you've got bones and bring that image into awareness. If you can't bring it into awareness, just scan your arm. And as you're scanning your arm, just say bones, muscle. You're just bringing the awareness, the clear seeing into consciousness. So just remember, it's not about accuracy. It's just about feeling. How are you feeling when you try to fabricate the experience? And we'll have plenty of time for Q&A at the end. Um, but I just wanted to front load this so we can, we can do this and it could be like really helpful and you might feel a different sense of the meditation by talking about this uh, before we jump in. Okay, that's our quote-unquote Dharma talk for the evening. What I'd like to do is for us to get comfortable and we're going to do, basically we're going to fall right back into meditation. We'll do about 15 minutes or so of real quiet, just quiet sitting. You can choose whatever and then I will come in and I will start guiding us through some of these fabrications so you can get a sense of how we might do this. All right, on your marks, here we go. As we move towards guided body practice,
take a moment to take a few long, slow, deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth, relaxing fully into the body on the exhale. Bring as much of this body into awareness as possible in this moment. Breathing in, knowing the whole body. Breathing out, knowing the whole body. The actual life sensations The sensation of sitting, the sensation of breathing. Our intention with these practices is to shake up our implicit bias, our presumption of solidity, our presumption of permanence, and this illusion of a solid sense of self and I, me, mine at the center of it all. So we use this ardency, this alertness, this mindfulness to participate in the present moment in such a way as to directly experience this impermanence, this not-self. And we start with this reminder that this sitting body, this body that breathes and body that feels and thinks, this body that so diligently carries us moment to moment throughout the day, is by no means solid. It is not even really a body per se, but systems within systems, parts within parts. Connecting, dancing, these waves of energy. And we might take a few moments to bring awareness to the fact of these parts. We might remind ourselves that this embodied being was actually covered in skin 
the largest organ of the body. And we might bring awareness to the head and the face, feeling the sensations there for a moment, the Vedana, the positive, negative, and neutral vibrations on the cheeks and the nose and the forehead, maybe the top of the head. And grounded in the awareness of these feelings, we call up the fabrication of skin, noticing the skin of the cheeks, noticing the skin of the forehead and the eyes. the skin of the lips and the nose. Just awake and aware to the fact that this body has skin. We might remind ourselves that skin is different everywhere on the body. The skin of the eyelids, different than the skin on the cheeks, feels different, looks different. We fabricate this image while holding the sensations and awareness. then we might explore different parts of the body with this reminder of skin, this body part, this organ. We might bring awareness to the left arm. Feeling into the sensations of this arm or that which we call arm. Then reminding ourselves, skin, the skin on the shoulder, the skin of the armpit, different feel, skin of the elbow, the forearm, the hand. just a fact, skin, neither this nor that, just the truth of what is so. Reminding ourselves that the palm of the hand has skin that feels different than the top of the hand. We just call this sense up into awareness, noticing. And 
and we might move to the right leg. And as we move down the leg, just remembering the leg is skin. The skin over the kneecap, different in texture than the skin of the calf. We can bring awareness to the right foot. Simply noting skin or imagining the skin on the heel, the balls of the feet, the top of the foot, a little different. Something we do not bring into awareness with mindfulness very often. Just the skin of the foot. It has its own truth in this moment. And we might move back up a ways to the chest and the abdomen. Remembering it too is covered in this organ we label or perceive as skin. And the skin of the belly might be slightly different than the skin of the chest. We just notice that, recalling that truth into consciousness, while maintaining the awareness of the sensations of that part of the body with each breath. And again we move bringing awareness back to the face and the top of the head. And we add a deeper recollection of parts and pieces that we call body. And we remind ourselves that beneath this skin, there is muscle and tissue. There's muscles inside this face that move the jaw. We might open and close the jaw just slightly, feeling the muscles expand and contract. The Buddha refers to muscles as flesh, that's the term that is used, but you can say muscles. The whole skull and the face, all the muscles intertwined. You might gently smile, 
reminding yourself that smiles are brought to you by muscles, muscles in the face. Muscles surrounded by skin. And we might move awareness to the back. And while noticing sensations, we just remind ourselves beneath the skin muscles of the upper back in the lower back. Muscles that wrap around our shoulders and hold so much stress. Take a moment to feel into the shoulders that density of muscle The tension of the world enjoys resting there. And we just feel, we can visualize or label. Both are perfect practice. We might move awareness down one of our arms. Reminding ourselves of biceps and triceps. Forearm and the muscles, the thin muscles that wrap around the bones we call the hand. And just imagine all those muscles, those muscles allow us to touch things, grab things. Muscles in our arms allow us to hug, shake hands, wave. All this muscle, this flesh beneath skin, the truth of the human body. And we might move down towards the legs, feeling the pressure of your butt on the cushion or chair. And with that pressure, remember there is muscle there. More sitting bones, as Ruth Dennison refers to this part of the body. Muscles and density of it, the pressure. We can wrap awareness around and notice the heaviness of the quadriceps, the hamstrings and the calf. Reminding ourselves of the layers of reality, interconnected, interdependent, not solid, not self. Am I my calf muscle? Am I my quadricep? 
or the muscles in the feet help us move the toes. You might wiggle your toes and see how that feels, remembering that is brought to you by muscles. to our third contemplation. Beneath skin we find flesh, flesh and muscle that rests upon bone, bound to bone by tendon. We can start at our feet. Picture the bones in your feet, all those little bones. the arch of the foot and the heel, all those bones in each of your toes. Walking upon feet brought to you by these bones, not solid, not permanent, and not self. And we might move up one of our legs and to the degree that you can bring this visualization into being. Just imagine the bones, the bones of the leg, the kneecap. Just noticing Can we be awake and aware to the fact of this skeleton that keeps us solid and upright? We might move into the hips and the pelvis, bringing awareness into the hip joint. that socket there that allows for mobility, but as we know is not permanent. The hip bones wear out over time, not solid, not self, impermanent changing phenomenon. As we move up to the torso, we might just remind ourselves of some of the organs that live here, the stomach and the kidneys, and the lungs and the spleen, pieces and parts. We have our heart. All these organs, interdependent, interacting, not self, not me, not mine, 
might look into the rib cage. The rib cage, that protective area over the lungs and the heart. Just remembering bones. And for this recollection, we might conclude with the spine. We might bring awareness to the spine from the lower back to the bottom of the skull, feeling that uprightness. With each breath, you can imagine that breath energy entering the spine and moving up and out the top of the head. And as awareness moves and breath energy is felt, we just remind ourselves of all those vertebrae, one on top of the other, providing this uprightness of being. take a few long, slow, deep breaths, knowing the whole body, and in this moment, bringing all fabrication together, picturing skin, bone, and flesh, the form aggregate, embodied being. And we continue our journey, waking up to the fact of not-self impermanence by recollecting the Buddha's invitation to the qualities of the elements. We might start with earth element, which represents solidity, density, resistance and strength. And for a moment, just picture your whole body Bringing into consciousness the awareness of the hardness of the bones, density of muscles, the earth element, the quality. Elemental meditation is about quality. The feeling of pressure of feet on floor, earth element, 
that feeling of the contact between your butt and the cushion or the chair. Feel that density, that solidity, earth element. You might gently rub your fingers together to actually feel the bones in the hand just gently without breaking concentration, noticing hardness, that sense of earth element. You might choose to just click your teeth together very gently, noticing the density, the hardness and resistance of the teeth. You might touch the teeth with the tongue, just noticing sensation of solidity. primary quality of embodied being, but it's still not self. Then we might awake to fire element, which is temperature, from heat to cold. Noticing the heat that radiates from the face and the palms of the hands. Noticing heat or coolness that we can feel between the skin and clothing. Can you notice if some parts of the body feel warmer or cooler than others? Notice this quality of the fire element. The temperature of the room on your skin. And then water element. Water element represents the quality of liquidity, moisture, fluids in, on, and around the body. It is considered traditionally to be the hardest element to meditate upon. We'll see if you can notice the moisture or dryness on the skin. Usually we do this on the palms or the back of the hands or the face. If it's a hot day, we can notice sweat itself, moisture. 
And we might visualize moisture, the moisture of the eyes and inside the mouth and the nose. moisture in the lungs. We might visualize this with each breath, reminding ourselves that the body is at least 60% water. Thinking of the blood that flows in the body, liquidity, This water element responsible for all the nutriment being moved around in the body. The fluids in the stomach and the bladder. So much fluid in the body, water element. Not self, not permanent. Constant change. One other practice that monks are invited to do is to swallow and then watch the dryness of the mouth be replaced by more moisture. And you can pause swallowing for a moment or two and notice how moisture returns. Water element. With mindfulness, we can break out of our habits of perception that keep us bound in suffering by reminding us that this very body, this very being, has all these parts and pieces and elements constantly changing and impermanent. This form aggregate not worth clinging to, not worth identifying as I, me, or mine. Is it worth clinging to the rib cage or the saliva in the mouth, a particular part of a lung? Where is self here? Nowhere to be found. Skin, flesh, bone, and elemental qualities, all objects of mindfulness practice. And our last practice of this evening will be our corpse in decay practice. This practice is not designed to be disturbing. It's designed to just bring us in touch with the fact of our mortality. And what we will do is just imagine 
what the title suggests, which is the body in decay after death. If this is not the right medicine for you, you can mute your audio for five minutes or so. And then you can join us at the end. It is not designed to be a repulsive practice or a gross practice. But it is a little awkward if you've never done it, and it might not be the right medicine for you in this moment. Bring awareness to the whole body, to the degree that you can in this moment. The Buddha invites several visualizations of corpse and decay designed to bring us in direct contact with this impermanent changing phenomenon we refer to as the body, as the self, as mine. You can engage in this visualization from either a first-person or third-person perspective. You can imagine you are that body that has just passed away, or you can visualize your body as if you're watching it from a distance. Both practices work equally well. The Buddha invites us to imagine that we have passed away and our body lays in the charnel grounds. You might just imagine the body out in the woods. This body has passed away. It is lifeless and stiff. No life energy. Is this body self? And we imagine this body over time begins to decay. Fluids and gases leave this body. The body becomes bloated pale. It is up to you how you make these visualizations. You can make them as subtle or graphic as possible that leads to the wisdom of depersonalizing the body as something to cling to. Mortality is just a fact of these embodied beings. Eventually, the water element leaves the body through all the orifices. The Buddha invites us to imagine this body beginning to become food for other animals. He invites us to imagine hawks and crows and vultures coming to feed on this body that has passed away. 
the body becomes fertilizer back into the earth, food for other animals, and we imagine this corpse in decay. Flesh becomes food and nutriment for other beings, not self. And then we go further and we imagine that all that remains is the skeleton. Flesh has become food and what remains are bones, bones lying upon the ground. They become bleached by the sun They fall apart into pieces and become scattered on the ground. Animals come and take bones away. Is this skeleton self worthy of attachment? And lastly, the Buddha invites us to imagine those bones dissolving into dust, returning into the earth, blowing away upon the wind. The mortality of embodied beings simply the truth of what is so. And notice with awareness the feelings that this imagery brings up. Just noticing, is there aversion? Is there craving? And you remind yourself of the impermanent changing phenomenon that you are and recollect the destined mortality of your being. Can that invite wisdom into the present moment? The wisdom of letting go, non-attachment, non-clinging. Let's bring ourselves back to this reality of body sitting in this room. Take a long, slow, deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. And reconnect with this reality of being, the sitting meditator. 
Feeling into as much of the body as possible in this moment. Let us remember that these practices are designed to invoke wisdom. Free us from suffering built upon attachment and clinging to that which is not permanent. May these practices lead to our freedom and well-being. May this letting go enliven our hearts with joy and compassion. May the reality of our mortality bring a sense of preciousness, gratitude, and appreciation for each moment, each breath in this very lifetime. May the wisdom of this body serve us well. May we be free from suffering. my friends for your kind attention and your commitment to practice thanks for joining us here at wednesday wake up we honor the traditional buddhist practice of offering the teachings without charge so this podcast will always be ad free and will never be behind a paywall this podcast is sustained exclusively by the generosity of listeners If you've received value from this podcast and have found your life or practice enriched by listening to it, you can support Gregory as a teacher by going to our website, www.wednesdaywakeup.com, and click on Donate at the menu on the top. While you're here at the website, join our mailing list and follow Gregory on Instagram at Gregory Maloof Dharma. Thank you again for listening. May all beings be happy.